Hey, Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Welcome to the Endless Honeymoon Podcast. I'm Moshe. And I'm Natasha. And it's never more fun on the Endless Honeymoon Podcast than when we have a friend guest coming on. This guy that we have as a guest today is just a charming fellow, somebody that we've spent time with and someone that we just genuinely love and also just someone that's so funny. Also, he just released his book, Before and Laughter, a life-changing book. He wrote the book for his two-year-old son as he fears he'll be too old when his son grows up to give him the best wisdom. Oh, that's a funny idea. It's like by the time you get <laughs> your son's old enough to get your lessons, you'll be like so addled with dementia that you'll be like, Ooh, who are you? <laughs> so you write the book early. That's actually true. I mean, not dementia, but my dad died before I had the opportunity to ask him the questions I would have wanted to ask him as an adult. But it's true. That's one of the great robbers is time. Sometimes time doesn't align with your schedule. So I like this idea that Jimmy wrote a book now that his son will be able to read by the time he's ready to get these lessons. Are you ready to get some lessons from Jimmy? I don't even think we've said his name yet. Let's welcome Jimmy Carr. The one and only. Hey. Oh, I literally, I cannot believe your luck. I'm excited for you. It's me. Finally, a bit of glamour. No, we're, um, we're pretty excited about it, too. Tell me again who you are and what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, your home looks beautiful. Oh, thank you very much. It's very nice to see you. Yeah, good to see you, too. You look great. Oh, can, can you turn mine down just a little bit? I'm having... It's very early for us, Jimmy. Oh, is it? What, what time in the morning are we, are we talking? What? 8.30. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There was no need for me to do this to you. I'm, I, Wait, I this really... was optional? We thought it was some kind of England, there's no other option that I have kind of thing. No, but I could have not done it. I think maybe it's not <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I don't think for any of us this is going to be the turning point, is it? I'm thinking. I don't know. I think we might really open up a, a channel, an English channel, if you will. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. It's been great to have you I here. I posted that Jimmy was going to be on the podcast, and I got a lot of like, ooh, fun guest, exciting. Oh, this is, see? Maybe you, uh, your cynicism isn't well, really. I mean, that, that's, I'm, actually, I'm actually really good friends with a lot of Russian bots. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that how your book went bestseller? Is it, was it all bot bot? <laughs> went bestseller. Well, you know what I did with the book? So I, I, the book in, in the UK, like you, most of your listeners are in America, right? So in the UK, I'm like, I'm, I'm a pretty big deal, right? It's fine. I can sell some books. In America, I self-published because I couldn't get a publisher no, to publish it. That's, that's my level in the States. Before and laughter. Is this, this is like my favorite title now. And by the way, before we get into the book, l- let us just say we know you're a big deal in the UK because you once, Jimmy once took us out to eat in London and it was like we walked into like a David Geffen, eyes wide shut, like ritual wealth of London <laughs> ceremony. I'm not sure I've ever been to a restaurant quite like that. There were circus performers. There were people cracking Wait, beef wellingtons. I want to go there. You went there. Oh, yeah. That place was awesome. <laughs> I remember it. In fairness, we did, uh, Mushu and I, as we always do, we drugged our women. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, I remember because I had some of 
the the wallpaper. We had some of That's the wallpaper right. in our in our hallway. We had the bathroom. It's like baby took some home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to. Uh, that was part of the uh, entrance ritual, right? You couldn't get in unless yeah. everybody. What was dropped. that place? I don't know. Uh, that place was called Annabelle's. It's like a little private members club in London that I took you to. That was nice. That was a nice night out. That we was a nice night out. We don't have private clubs here unless you're an idiot. We we have. We, well, I think they do have private clubs now. I think my friend Scott has opened a private club in New York and it's doing very well called Scott's called Zero place. Bond. It's called Scott's Place, right? It's just Scott's apartment and you have to have permission to enter. No, I, I, I own a bit of it, weirdly. Um, Scott Satiano, who's the guy that did, he did One Oak. And he, weirdly, he's an old mate of mine. So I own a bit of Zero Bond. I can't believe my luck. Zero very, Bond. Very we got to get a membership. But England is more down with class. Like, this is a private club that no one else can come to. And, you know, I feel like here that would cause, like... I think if you, if you were making, if we're going to make sweeping generalizations, then really, what else are podcasts for? <laughs> um, I would say that uh, class is our race. Yes. We have race problems here as well, but class is really our thing. That's our kryptonite is class and the class structure and people. It's fading as time goes on, but we still have, there's still bits of Downton Abbey we still basically, when we meet someone, go upstairs or downstairs. That's, Which one, dude? I I had an experience once in London that was showed me exactly how little I know about the Lond- the English class structure. I was with a friend who I guess he's a fancy posh person, and another friend that I knew randomly walked up in the streets, and she was like a scouse person and they were talking and he was convivial and polite and just really nice and she was doing her scouse thing and they were going back and forth and then she walked away and he turned to me he's like fucking scouse scum i can't stand." and i was like what i don't even know the difference between the two of you you both sound the same yeah it's like we're we're from different parts of the shire um (laughs) it's it's weird i've genuinely got a friend who's a a very good friend of mine dear friend of mine who hates the band the beatles (laughs) Because they're scousers, which is, it's, and it's, it drives me crazy because you go, no, no, it's literally, it's literally the best band in the world. It's the, it's the Jungian archetype of great bands and you hate them because they're scousers, which is such a weird tribal thing. It's, Liverpool's like one of those towns though, it's got such a strong sense of identity. When you go and play there, it's like nowhere else. It's, it's heaven to do comedy in Liverpool. Wow, I want to go. Wait, I have a question. I'm good at accents. So if I was in, if I grew up in England, I would just do an impression. Agree to disagree, Natasha? (laughs) Well, that question started off as a statement of braggadocia, but I think. No, I'm just saying what's stopping, like, I guess my question is, is there, and when you meet someone and you're like upstairs, downstairs, can't you kind of fool people? And is it just accent? Oh, are there class grifters? I don't think it's just accent. I'm actually, I'd be pretty downstairs. I'm like an Irish immigrant like my parents moved from a really rough town in Ireland to a really rough town in England. They just really like shitty towns. That's their, <laughs> their jam. And then I'm, I'm like first generation kind of British, but like from an immigrant family. So I would be very downstairs, but I was educated beyond my intellect. So I sound fancy now. I sound no, fancier than I should. Jimmy, to be I honest, like you've that. never fooled either of us. We always knew exactly <laughs> yeah. what intellectual level you were at. Sure. We read the book. Um, wait, Jimmy. Uh, t- co-written by Spellcheck. <laughs> Tell us more about the book and where people can find it. I, I think you can find it on Amazon in the States. And it's, uh, it's uh, before and after. It's, uh, it's an autobiography um, and a self-help book. I was going to call it Just the Tip, 
take it from Jimmy Carr. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt like, I felt like, I I wish I knew more porn stars because that's a great, it's a great title for a porn star book. Yeah, not the climate for you, honey. Yeah, Yeah, it's not right. Not right. Um, I think it's that thing where I wanted to write a book that was kind of a little bit about me. People might have a passing interest in sort of a comedian's life, but comedy really is a metaphor for making your life better. And like the little, I made a little change. I was quite late to comedy. I was about like 25 when I sort of first started doing comedy, which is relatively late for kind of taking an interest in it. And it felt like, it felt like the thing that I did, like finding that purpose and thing that I wanted to do with life and to throw myself into was kind of an experience that could be transferable. So it was something that I wrote about because I thought actually a lot of people, especially post lockdown are going, I can't go back to that office. I've got to do something new for me that I love doing. And I think I've got, I think we've all three of us have that problem where work is more fun than fun. Yeah. It's like a, um, the, uh, an artistic hero's journey kind of, uh, kind of a thing. I and mean, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> well, interesting. I haven't, I haven't gotten to read it yet. So that's probably why. I can't read. <laughs> I, I was also 26 when I found comedy and I feel like I was able to really throw myself into it in a very creative way. But also I was traveling light. Like I, you know, wasn't, I was away from my family. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have dogs. Like my whole, yeah. I had a little studio pad, you know, a crash pad. I went, did stand up every night. It's like, you really have to arrange your life in a way. Did you find that to like be able to do that? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, there's quite a lot in the book about that, about how certainly in your early twenties, like we, it's that cliched thing of like, we spend our lives um, making money in order to buy stuff to impress people we don't even like it's <laughs> fucking crazy we're buying shit we don't need to impress people we couldn't give a fuck about that's life. that's and there's there's nothing you can get in a mall that you give a fuck about in five years time nothing so it's that weird thing where you kind of go you're getting off that treadmill is not easy though like that thing of like traveling like when you're 26 like leaving and going i don't really care and if it's just me it's kind of great enthusiasm kind of gets you there for the first bit well isn't it's that- finding is very different like knowing yourself it's like like all those kind of wisdomy cliches about you know to to thine own self be true yeah but you have to know who you fucking are before that works and you kind of don't when you're in your early 20s it happened i think for most people it like you don't really kind of know yourself till you're kind of mid-20s i know that will be incredibly patronizing to anyone younger than that but trust me well it well it's sort it's sort of true but like it, it's also that we we live i was thinking about this yesterday that we you come to this realization that so many things that you th- think have value and meaning are fundamentally meaningless and yet they continue to rule you long past that realization right so you realize yeah. like this is all temporary this is all ethereal we all no one ends up alive at the end of this whole thing so worry and and anxiety about career and anxiety about station it's all uh, meaningless and doesn't help and yet you let it run your life after that realization Yeah, there's the, I, I've got quite a lot in the book about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs which I'm fascinated by like just the idea it's such a simple thing like everyone kind of vaguely knows there's a triangle and you need to you know warmth and safety kind of at the bottom but the idea that scarcity is the thing that runs our lives like there are billionaires and there will be a trillionaire because for some people, it's just never enough. It's just like, it's, it's like that sense of like security. They go, well, if I had a million dollars or if I had $10 million, then I'll feel secure and safe. And they never do. And it's also them comparing with each other. Like they all want to be the richest. 
Of course, yeah. And it's, you know, that, that famous Eleanor Roosevelt comparison is the thief of joy. My, my, my sort of favorite story in the book is the, um, uh, you know, the story about Kurt Vonnegut and Joseph Heller? No, tell us. Okay, so they, they were friends, like two of the greatest writers of the 20th century were legit buddies, and they went to a party. So Joseph Heller's there, Kurt Vonnegut, and they walk into this house in the Hamptons, and the guy's got everything. He's married to a supermodel, he's got Warhols on the wall, he's got Picassos, it's palatial, it's glorious, it's amazing. There's 300 people there, the great and the good of New York City are in this place. And Kurt Vonnegut, just being a dick, says to Joseph Heller, you know this guy, he's a finance guy in Wall Street, he made more money in a day last week than you made from Catch-22. And Joseph Heller went, right, but I've got something he'll never have. And Kurt Vonnegut went, what? And he went, enough. Huh. That's great. Do you feel yeah. like you have enough, Jimmy? Yeah, I got everything. <laughs> you know what I have, which is enough. My enough moment came when I realized I was with one of the premier accent uh, comedians in the United States. <laughs> I'm well, I mean, that's always, that's something. It's, it's a weird thing. I felt like I had enough. I don't know about your career in comedy when, it, you know, I know you started when you were 26, 25, but the idea of like when people think you're a success and when you think you're a success, I think there's about a 10-year gap in my life where I went, no, no, I'm playing the comedy store in London and I'm getting paid in cash and I'm doing four shows a night, every night. I, I'm made in the shade. Yeah. I, can, I can afford food and I'm not living on the streets and I'm living off my wits. This is amazing. Everything else is gravy. Everything else is like the, the, the showy trinkets. Sort of who cares? Well, I would, Natasha. Oh, I remember. I was going to say, I remember when I first got my, my name on the Laugh Factory marquee, I thought I made it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it just kept shifting and shifting and shifting. And now it's like, you know, you care about different things and it's, it's hard. Well, the thing I love about comedy yeah. is that it's a task without end. That's why it's joyful because... I'm like rewriting, I'm, I've got a preview tonight, I'm, I'm rewriting my show and I'm very conscious, especially after the lockdown of going, I need to get better at this. I've been in comedy 20 years and I'm, I'm really good at one thing, I'm really good at one-liners. I'm good at like good, I've got a good fastball, right? If I was a, on a baseball team, I'm a good fastball, but I don't have enough other, I don't have enough, uh, I don't have the other clubs, I don't have the other shots, I don't have, an, I need a knuckleball, I need some other things in there and you kind of go, that's really exciting for me, the idea that we can all go, oh, well, I'm going to try and write another show that's better than this, that changes it, writing longer routines. And you're constantly inspired by all of your friends, all of the other people in comedy kind of go, it's like great seeing a terrible show and going, right, I could do better than that. And then you see something magnificent and go, ah, oh, yeah, there, gotta get better. there are certain shows you see and you go, I don't even actually know the elements that you're operating with comedically. I don't know what that is. That's not a goal. Like I see certain comedians I see who are better than me. I go, I know the elements that they use to create that act. There are other comedians I see. I go, I don't actually know what this is. And that's so much I, more I like impressive. When, I like it when I see someone that I don't laugh at the comedy. It's like not my thing. And it's because they're using something that I'm not. I I. I so don't have that skill, mm -hmm. I don't even recognize it. So for <laughs> me, it's like there's, there's one, one of the analogies I use in the book, or one of the things that I use a lot of kind of, uh, I talk a lot about conflated words, like words that people think mean the same thing, but they really don't. So things like charm and charisma. I think there's a huge, you're either a charm or a charisma person, and it's, it doesn't matter which, you just need to know which one you are. Wait, what is the difference? That, well, I would say like, the best examples I can think of are like Trump and Obama, right? 
Donald Trump, like him or loathe him, you loathe him. Uh, we love him he's here. He's a charisma guy. And charisma for me is about you come to me. You, I'm talking, you come to me. And charm, if you look at Obama, he's one of the most charming men in the world. And it's all about charm. It's about I come to you. Oh, I'm charm. I wanted to be charisma. You would, uh, But it's, it's a weird thing where the, the two, I, I sort of teased it out. The other one that I used, which is a more, the political one's difficult because everyone prefers Obama. So you go, well, he's more than just charming. But I think it's, it's all charm. It's from that space. The, the way his speech pattern works, it's just very welcoming. So when I see a comedian who's incredibly charming, Sometimes it can just be lost on me. I just go, yeah, but where are the one-liners? Come on. Because that's my that's my love language is one-liners. Uh, what do you do if, I, like my case, where you have neither? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you, you just, I, I, you know. Should we you're, move? You're nothing. You're so charming on stage. <laughs> oh, well, thank no, you. No, it's just Jimmy. funny you say the coming to you because I just get exhausted because I feel like that's just my instinct is to like always come to, you know, energetically be hosting a party and making sure everybody's okay, you know, and it's kind of exhausting. She said on the podcast where she was literally doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, Wait, I have yeah. one more question. The other, the other kind of analogy of that like charm charisma thing, because I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting point to think about whether you agree or not. It's like an interesting thing to think about knowing yourself and who you are and what your edge is. What are you bringing to the party? What's your thing that you do best? Not the best in the world, but better than anything else you do and kind of leaning into that. Because it's like the, the other analogy I had was uh, Jennifer Aniston and, and Angelina Jolie, right? Jennifer Aniston's nothing but charm. She's like, everyone wants to be her friend. And Angelina Jolie is all charisma. It's totally charisma. I mean, and they both get to fuck Brad Pitt. There's no better or worse. Right. It's just it's different. Or Voldemort and Harry Potter. Voldemort would be um, charisma, right? All charisma. I get all it. Charisma. I think I get it now. I think I understand. I have, a, I have a question about you feeling like you have enough. How much time do you spend on Instagram? Uh, none. I've, I've not been on Instagram. I believe someone runs an Instagram account for me, but I think I spend a tiny bit of time on Twitter, but really I just use it for, for promo. I just, I don't think it causes uh, happiness. Well, what I it, don't think it in your, in your compare and despair analogy, there is no uh, more, uh, um, you know, almost factory mechanized version of yeah. compare I mean, of there's, mass there's comparison. There's that wonderful, you know, quote, you're comparing your insides to other people's outsides. There's a really weird thing that's happened in the last couple of years where I've read a couple of articles about this, about how people are now, they're not just jealous of other people, they're jealous of themselves because they look at their <laughs> timeline on Instagram and they go, who is this happy girl that always smiles and is constantly on holiday in a bikini? I feel fat and disgusting and I've just ordered pizza. And they kind of go, there's a disconnect between the you that you present to the world mm. and the you that you really feel, which is kind of, it's very, it's very brave new world. Yeah. Well, I actually just heard uh, an interview with Paul McCartney where he was saying he hated himself for being Scouse. <laughs> so it all, in the end, it all ends <laughs> up. No, but here's my, I, my, my, I love what you're talking about in the book because it's so the opposite of the way I often think of comedy. You're saying it as this, uh, it's almost this balm for the soul, this kind of, you know, art artistic uh, healing mechanism. And I always thought about comedy 
in a way, even as it builds you up, personally, it also brings down your worldview. And you've got such a dark worldview on stage that I wonder if you can, if you feel this at all, that sometimes I even, I even wrote a joke about it. So, and I won't do the joke. I'll spare you the joke. But yes. some, so, <laughs> sometimes... Do the, do the joke. So, well, it's just that sometimes the process of being a comedian is that you're looking at the world and you're kind of looking for the absurd, awful, negative, terrible parts of it. And that's really... A, a lot of your comedy is is like that. It can be very dark. But, and then over... But, but, but that's... The, the whole of humanity is based on pattern recognition. The whole of... The reason that we work as a society is because we're good at pattern recognition and 70,000 years ago, when humanity got down to maybe 60,000 people, we were better at that than other species, right? That's the thing that got us here, right? So we had a couple of things in our table. Pattern recognition is the skill of the comedian. That's what we're good at, whether it's observational, my life, the strange thing about it, being able to see that thing. Pattern recognition is like the, like one of the superpowers of comedians. Completely. We're great. And that's the whole of humanity is kind of based on standing on the shoulders of giants is about like science. Everything is based on, okay, well, if that works there, then it'll also work here. If it's true here, then it'll work there. Great. And then that idea of like laughter being one of the key things that brings people together. So when I did a documentary years ago about laughter and really the history of laughter and laughter is about a million years older than language. It's a different part of the throat. It's a different part of our physiology. So laughter is like remote grooming. So if you look uh-huh. at like silverback gorillas, right? Silverback gorillas can get to troops of about 50 or 60. But as soon as they get any bigger than that, the grooming, that gorilla's looking at the other gorilla going, I, I don't really know you, man. Yeah. I haven't groomed you in ages. And they break off into other groups. Humans have a thing called the Dunbar number where they're allowed to have bigger groups, right? About 150. Because we don't have to physically groom each other. We can laugh together. And the laugh the showing the teeth, the smiling, making that noise makes the other person know this isn't a threat. This isn't a threat. So tickling is the most simple kind of example of it. And it allows us to have bigger groups and therefore more specialization. So I think it's absolutely fundamental at the heart of our humanity, this idea of laughter. And it's the, if you look at what's rewarded by linguistic ability and pattern recognition, we reward ourselves with serotonin. We're, you know, and the reason people laugh in groups is because that's what it's for. Like we used to live in those little groups of between 60 and 80 people for the longest time. And we'd reward noticing, oh, actually, the rustle in the bush wasn't a tiger. It was a bird. And you giggle. Well, explain this then. How come when I go up to a stranger and I, and I tickle them and I say this is to connect you as another human being and bring you into my squad, they don't respond well? It's, it's frankly, I don't know, it's a mystery. Yeah. Well, that's a weird thing, though, isn't it? Where I sort of think being famous is the natural way to be. Because actually, for most of humanity, everyone you saw, you knew. And now we live in, now strangers are the norm. But that was not the norm for most of humanity wouldn't have seen a stranger. That would be a, an odd event. So when you say pattern recognition, you basically mean like we just look for patterns in the world to talk about that maybe other people haven't noticed. I sort of mean, well, joke, joke structure as well, right? Okay, so like all comics know, right? You don't, you can't steal material, but there's there's only a finite amount of structures out there. So the simplest, simplest joke is all jokes ultimately work in the same way, right? It's the sudden revelation of a previously concealed fact. It's you tell one story and in the setup, a person is forced to make an assumption that turns out to be erroneous in the second part of the story. And hey, presto, you laugh. And it's the same trick again and again and again 
in, you know, variations on that. Well, the old- and it's a really interesting thing that our, our mind follows the pattern, follows the pattern, and then we're surprised. Mm. And we're delighted by that. And the ultimate, we've all seen, uh, and it's a great moment of humanity in a comedy club, when there's a comedian on stage who does a joke and then an audience member turns to their partner or their date or their friend and goes like, that's you, you do that, or that's me, I do that. It's like, it, just what you said, it's something they already knew about themselves but didn't know they knew about themselves until the comedian takes the, uh, takes the velvet curtain off of it and goes, this is the thing that we do. Sure. And it's also that thing of like, that, that the, the book is really my kind of uh, love letter to comedy because the, the function of it, you know, it's always been there, right? So we're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? We do stand up, which is, I think, an American art form. I think, you know, you gave us the Western, you gave us jazz music, you gave us stand up. I would That's go the- further. I would go further. We gave you hip hop, but I would go further. It's not just an American art form. It's a Jewish American art form, if I country made, music too. Made that is not a Jewish American art no, form, but but, it's but um, no, that's, that's that is the opposite. <laughs> of Jewish. Um, the inversion. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I think that's true. I think that's I think it is true. I think the I think the language of the Torah as well. Some of the questioning, some of the wisdom in the in mm-hmm. the Torah is about questioning in two things at once. And there's there's something I think it's magnificent about that. I think I think uh, unfortunately. Hitler knew that and shut down the cabaret clubs, I think, for that reason. Because if you laugh with someone, you can't hate someone. Right. You can't be, you, you know, it's laughter does an amazing sort of thing. And it's, it does bond people together. I love that quote, of like, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I heard a quote also that one something that you laugh at, you can never be ashamed of again. And I always thought that that was a very powerful bit of wisdom too. Like if you That's, could- that is, I love that, man. Because it is that thing of like, you go, look, we all shit our pants from time to time, right? It's going to happen. Everyone shots. But it's like the difference between being ashamed and feeling awful about that and, and uh, you know, going into a spiral of self-hatred is as soon as you share it with people and giggle, it's like, well, I guess, and it connects it to everyone. No, exactly. I have a story in my first special that was about a street fight that I got into. Uh, and it's a, it's a, when it first happened to me, I was so ashamed of the Wait, act. I, Sorry. It, was it with Natasha? <laughs> That's how we met. Yeah. She was throwing. Yeah. No, I didn't realize he got into street fights till after we were married. And well, then we've had some issues. With I wouldn't it. call it street fights, but this one, I remember it so viscerally. I got into a fight. It was the last fight, I, physical fight I got into as an adult. And it was so shit. Now they're just shouting matches. Now they're, yeah, they're shouting. And they're, uh, hopefully, eventually they'll become sharding matches because everybody <laughs> sharts, as Jimmy said. But I, I was. <laughs> there's his laugh. <laughs> So anyway, I was so ashamed of it after the event that my plan, it wasn't a real plan, but my, I was like, I'm going to hide in my house and I'm just going to like wait for the shame to pass and never tell another living soul about it. But then that's what real shame is, is I'm going to keep this secret. I'm never going to tell anybody about it. And then eventually I tried it on stage and then eventually became like kind of a staple of that particular hour. And now it's something funny and it's something that it's like it's fully healed once you find a way to share it and laugh at it and move. I think it's interesting the things we can't joke about. Because I think where there's no justice, where, where nothing's kind of where it's not being resolved. It, when there's some level of resolution, we can sort of begin to joke about it. It's often that thing about when people sort of say too soon. Well, you know, the, the ultimately, people often ask comedians that in interviews, and you go, ask, ask 300 people in a room. They fucking know. Somehow the audience always knows whether it's when it's okay and when it's kind of when we feel like we've processed enough that we can talk about this. That's so funny. Because we live, we live in a world between, like comedy exists between public and private discourse. We're somewhere between 
there's like a world on the news that's presented in a certain way. And then there's how people actually talk in the real world. And we kind of mediate between the two with the one bit of the kind of, I suppose it's like um, tying us to like the trickster gods and jesters and, you know, speaking truth to power, that kind of thing of like knowing, oh no, we can push it a bit further than that. That's how people really talk. It's funny you say that because every time I've brought up, like when I try to riff on climate change, I find it to be the most challenging. It's not even offensive. There are there are topics that are offensive and you have to write the perfect joke to make them funny enough to justify talking about the topic. But climate change, I feel like, is this radioactive. I'm not I'm sure somebody out there's got a great climate change joke. Just for me, every time I've tried to do something in the realm, I feel the audience n- not interested in in going there. And that is the ultimate problem without a solution, without justice, because it's literally the, the ice caps yeah. are coming. I had like a, 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 I'm working on a routine on it at the moment. And obviously, you know, the love language is one liner. So I always try and start with the one liners of like, do you, have, do you have Extinction Rebellion over there? No, what's that? So Extinction Rebellion is like this really sort of, I suppose they'd be painted as very left wing, but I don't think they're particularly interested in party politics. But this group that like go and sit and they block motorways and stop things from happening in order to kind of bring attention to this, you know, the COP26 and what we need to do in order to make the world better. Um, but obviously the joke is, come on, Extinction Rebellion. Come on, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like the idea of like simple one-liners on that. And I love the idea of that as a topic because my problem with environmentalism at the moment is, is you go, and my problem with self-help, the other reason I wrote this book was it's it, self-help and environmentalism are both, they kind of have got the same... Uh, tone it's a very kind of it's very earnest everything's very like Greta Thunberg is not wrong about anything but my god she's very earnest and I find that a difficult flavor I that doesn't sort of chime with me so I need it to be kind of filtered through comedy I need someone to kind of go well obviously we're going to recycle and we're going to do our best and we're going to go on the protest but we don't I don't need the finger wag I don't need to be told off because that pushes me the other way Mm. But that's why we need you. That's why we need Greta. I think Greta can only exist in this in this way. I mean, the thing is, we all need to get together and write little punch up for Greta. <laughs> that that's the solution to your problem that you're posing. It's interesting. Greta Thunberg really reminds me of Joan of Arc. It's like the idea that we we had to find a child because we needed someone pure, and everyone else has like go, gone. Well, no, I've been on holiday to Ibiza, obviously. Yeah, no, I flew there. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, no, well, obviously, I've got a coal-fired boiler because, obviously. And then we had to look for a child because it was only a child was pure. I wonder if when Joan of Arc first hit the scene, people were treating her the way they treat Greta. Just like this stupid, spoiled, finger-wagging. Listen, it's all about the corporations. I think it's just about whoever can shame the corporations or help shame the corporations. And if they're helping with that... It's, it strikes me that the, the greatest trick that's been pulled in the last 40 years is blaming the consumer. A hundred percent. And saying it's the consumer's fault. And you go, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because at the same time that we're doing that, it's kind of the last 40 years is the story of the rise of the individual over the group, over the tribe. And, and you kind of go, well, there's, there's not much we can do, is it? So we feel so helpless in the, in the, in the plight because we go, well, we can't do anything. They're manufacturing this stuff. So... All of that stuff about like, you know, the litter bug story. You know the litter bug? No, tell us the litter bug story. I mean, I know what a <laughs> well, litter bug is. Like, yeah, but the, well, the phrase litter bug or don't be a litter bug is a 1950s 
thing, telling people don't drop trash. You know, if you buy McDonald's, put that wrapper in the bin or put the Coke can in the bin or put the thing in the bin, put it in the, put it in the landfill. But it was invented by the packaging companies, paid for by the packaging companies to, to take the blame of them uh-huh. producing a gazillion tons of plastic mm. and putting it onto the consumers and going, yeah, you did a bad thing. You didn't put it in the bin. That's so funny you mentioned that because I always think about litter as the ultimate um, cause gone wrong. We really nipped litter in the bud in the 80s and 90s. And in the end of... <laughs> And in fact, it ma- it didn't matter at all. What mattered was waste, not wrappers on the ground. What or mattered- Exxon, <laughs> yeah, or, like- you know, it's it, making it so that that wasn't okay. You- Whoever, who you know, letting people get that powerful and destroy the earth with no boundaries, I think that then everyone yeah. else does it and it, it should have been stopped. Like right now, we don't kill people. You know, outwardly, we know that that's bad. You can't do that. I- I'm just saying like, Wait, why? sorry, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> no, but why is it okay to to harm the earth in this what way? What about vagrants, though? Vagrants. Have you heard about the murder bug? It's a, no. the, the corporations want to put a stop to murder, so they say no more murder bugs in the streets. I'm just saying it should be unethical to be a billionaire. That should be something that people don't aspire is, to. I wrote I wrote a thing the other day. I'm not sure if this is funny, and it's kind of it's not formed yet. But I wrote a thing saying the most hated people in the world right now, right? I would say are racists pedophiles and billionaires yeah <laughs> yes but there's, there's only one of those that you'd fucking kill to be <laughs> like, <laughs> like no one is no one is working 18 hours a day in a startup in the hope that oh well maybe one day i'll get to hate indian people no one <laughs> no one's aspiring to racism but people are aspiring or, or, or pedophilia whatever but you are aspiring in a way to kind of Oh, well, I, I want to get the most gold. I, um, I just think in the 70s, that should have been like a shunned thing. Instead, it's been touted. You know, no one should be taking a, that much from everybody it, else. Is it not a necessary shift where you go, look, we've moved from the era of the nation state. We're talking about big political things. We've moved from the era of the nation state to the era of the corporation. Mm. Well, the, so that, that shift has happened. Mm-hmm. People aren't really acknowledging that that's happened, but that's what's happened. It's like they keep on having these conferences and it's, we're getting all the government leaders together. And you go, oh, motherfuckers, you've missed. No, the, the tech conference is more important than totally. this. You get the CEOs together, that would have more of a difference. And no one's talking about big ideas. At this, The environmental conference we just had here in Glasgow, they're talking about such small ideas. Oh, we've got to change things a little bit. We've got to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. So when it goes down, it looks neat and tidy. Maybe we'll end the world in 2050, not 2040. As opposed to, oh, we need to build a lot of nuclear power stations. No, that's which is what we need to do. That's the problem is we've gotten to this point where we are relying upon the benevolence of of billionaire CEOs that people who by nature are not benevolent because that's the only reason they they were able to squeeze money out of their workers and their well yeah we're we're moving towards keep more for themselves. There was a guy Adam Winkler. We got to do a call. We got to do a call, Jimmy. Jimmy, we have to get this wisdom to the to our listeners. You know we're we're an advice call in show, right? (laughs) Okay, I mean that seems. That seems like some brass neck. How are things between you two? You still, uh... Awful. They're terrible. We've been through a pandemic together, Jimmy. Um, but what was the it? The pandemic I felt like was was lockdown for me. Felt like it was a boot camp for relationships. 100%. It felt like it felt like we were doing a month a week in the relationship because <laughs> most relationships are like two hours a day, right? You you, you sign up totally. for two hours a day, and then suddenly it's twenty four seven. You go, motherfucker, this is too much. Yeah, all of a sudden you're with someone and you've been with them for 40 years and it's only been two. 
So now we know what that'll be like. We're doing pretty good, actually. We're like an old couple that spats and makes our grandkids uncomfortable. We are. I love it. Um, I love you, too. Well, we love you. And that's all that matters. Love is all that matters. Love, laughter, and uh, a ceding power to our corporate overlords. Yeah, I don't know what we do about any of this, but I do think that that thing of the, the craziness of comedians being an outlet for, because it's such a, like the environment's a really good idea of like, I, I, for all three of us to write routines around, because you go, well, there's a lot of frustration around it. There's a lot of pent up anger. That feels like that's an interesting go-to where we go, right, okay, well, that's going to be the thing that I'm interested in talking about on stage because like people don't know what to do. It's also that thing if you go, I'm not really interested in either side. Like the, 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 the echo chamber thing I don't buy. I think social media is like an amplifier. Mm-hmm. So if you're a little bit on the left, suddenly then you're, well, we need to shut down cities and all go and live in an agrarian uh, sort of, they've got some view of like how life used to be when we lived in the countryside. And you go, no, motherfucker, everyone died when they were 30. It was awful. <laughs> and then on the right, there's these people that are in total denial going, no, no, we need jet engines. So it's it's like, it's really, is there anything like in being a radical moderate? That's what I am. Joe Biden, I believe. <laughs> the most radical moderate we have. Yeah, I, I it is all depressing, but I think that your book, uh, just the focus on, and I, I, I think a lot of people in the pandemic are are, are rela- relating to this. The focus on the internal journey, not uh, at not by eschewing your uh, your broader social responsibility, but by saying because things feel so hopeless on a societal level, allow me to go inward and allow me to develop myself as a human being on my own personal journey is like huge, I think, for people coming out of the pandemic. While we are in these major social movements, let me find out who I am. And then I'm thinking about, you know, I think it's thinking about like, you know, if you get on to talking about activism and what you can do, it's like there's there's stuff that does good and stuff that feels good, right? And it's a real division on those things. So you go, well, what little thing can I do? And I think often the case of like being the best version of yourself in the world is the best you can do. Like you being happy, I think is your first responsibility because it makes your, your immediate environment is important as well. Like your environment is like not necessarily the world. You go, well, look, my little community, my little family and friends, how am I going to be in that? Because it's sort of my, my sort of take is it's nature nurture, right? Nature is the cards you get dealt, right? So we're all, we are who we are. There's not much you can change there. But nurture is like, nurture doesn't stop when you're 18 and you move out of your parents' place. Nurture sort of continues. So who are the people you're hanging out with? Do they make you happy or not? I've got a really good measure for friends, which I think is quite good for show business of like, if you're not happy with your friend's success, if if you hear someone, a buddy of yours got a big show or a Netflix special and you go, fuck, that's a frenemy. It's not a real thing. That's if a comedian. That's just being a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I once got jealous when I heard a casting announcement for the show Glow. It's a it's a show about female wrestlers. And I was like, oh, how did they get that? I was like, I was not up for the role of female wrestlers. <laughs> but most spends a lot of time on Instagram. It is true. I, 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 I make a really good, I think I make a good distinction in the book between jealousy and envy. And I think jealousy is very bad and envy is very good. I think if, if you kind of, if you, if you sort of set, if you tease them out, I think jealousy is about, I don't want you to have that. Mm. You, you're auditioning for Glow. I don't want Glow to even be a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, female wrestling show, I could never have that, but I do want to be on, t- you know, uh, you know I, 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 I don't know what to do with that feeling, but I don't want anyone to have it. Uh-huh. And envy is about, 
what do you, it's pure motivation. What do I want? So you see someone's playing um, Carnegie Hall. Actually, someone was playing Carnegie Hall the other day, and I thought, I, who is it? It's that Nick New York Kroll. Comic. I love him. Or Gary Goldman. Oh, Nick, Nick Kroll. Or Gary no, Goldman. Gary Goldman. Yeah. It's Gary oh, Goldman. Okay. And I watched his last special about depression, and I was so taken. I, I know Gary a little bit, but I don't know him well. I was so taken with him as a human being. Do you think he's a lovely man? I like and him. And I saw the other day he was playing Carnegie Hall, and I just went, I kind of, not welled up, but like went, oh, that is so fucking brilliant. Mm. And you didn't That's think, such- when am I going to play Carnegie Hall? I went, fucking book it. I'll sell it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's a good... No, no, but it's it's an interesting thing to go. There's certain comics I'm sure I would, you could name that I would go, oh, no, I should be playing that. And for him, I just, I felt joy. I felt like that's fucking amazing. And I think that's, it's interesting. I think envy sort of tells you what, but I did, a part of me did envy him playing it because I went, I bet that's really exciting to do that room and stuff. Right. And I would like, but, but but I want him to do it as well. I like, I go, well, it's, it doesn't change. If anything, he's increasing the chances of me playing it because uh, 3,000 people are going to go to Carnegie Hall and they're going to have a fabulous night with him and they're going to go, we should go and see more comedy. Yeah, I think that that is a good kind of bookend to this conversation, which is that through, with Instagram, social media, watching people on their journey, people that come to their journey late in life after the pandemic, if you look at other people's journeys of success or self-actualization or happiness or even activism and finding a way to change and your, and your reaction is, fuck them, I quit. That's the kind of jealousy version. But the, but the, the health version yeah. is, wow, how inspiring. I'm, I want that. I'm going to do it too. And it sounds like that's a lot what you're yeah. talking about in the book. Yeah, I think there's I think there's something about that. Yeah. I think that thing of like finding your journey is a big you know, it's obviously it's a it's a big thing for me and I'm kind of quite I like kind of sharing that and sort of saying, Well it's I think everyone's got that. Well, I'm definitely reading this book. I feel like you talk about comedy so eloquently and you have so many insights and you're a wordsmith. The, bur- the book is called Before and Laughter with Jimmy Carr, our our dear friend, and uh, not a scouse, so you'll be happy to read the book. Um Jimmy, can we do a couple calls and then we can let you go back oh, to... Oh, 100% we can do calls. Yeah, let's... Let's do it. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. You ever been just too high? Not me. Never been too high? Okay, yes, I have. You never been so high that your husband says something and you feel paranoid and feel like actually he works for the government? This actually happened to us the other day, folks, and she accused me of being a Secret Service agent. Anyway, we've all been there. Today's weed can be... Over the top, hardcore, and that's why Dadgrass is reviving the pleasure of the casual smoke so that you can chill out without all the stress. Dadgrass is legal, organic, smokable hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind. Their 100% organic pre-rolled joints are very low in THC and high in CBD so you can enjoy the effects of that CBD without becoming a CBD idiot. <laughs> I guess a TH idiot. You know what I'm saying. Chill out without getting stoned. It's like having a glass of wine, not the whole bottle. It was actually a pretty cool experience. Right now, Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash honeymoon. Whether you're looking for a new buzz, who isn't, or a chill way to enjoy an old favorite, Dadgrass will leave you in a euphoric mood. Go to dadgrass.com slash honeymoon for 20% off your first order. That's dadgrass.com slash honeymoon. Hey, Tosh. Yes, Mosh. What did we just get back from? Uh, holiday. Where were we? Puerto Rico. No, where were we today? Malibu. Malibu, and we were what? 
surfing? And we were... I don't get it. We were camping. And when you go camping, oh, right. it can be yeah, a real freaking rough. mess. But you don't have a lot of room for a bunch of plastic disposables and stuff. And that's why we use this really cool new company... They're called Blue Land, and they basically take the waste out of cleaning up your place. Yeah, you might be eating clean, but are you cleaning clean? You might not know, but you may be eating a credits card worth of plastic each week thanks to the tons and tons of single-use plastic we throw out. Blue Land is trying to fix that. I'm trying to fix the way you say credits card. I think that's a new and exciting way to say... I said credit card. You said credits card, which I like. Credit... I was just kind of clipping. Credits card. Credit card. Oh, I see. It was like a. It was like a. It was like a, a kind of a an Eastern Seaboard tea clip. Yes. If you would like to stop throwing away a plastic bottle every time you run out of cleaning solution, try Blue Land. All of your cleaning products are sent to you in a little tablet form. There's one plastic bottle, and when you run out of the liquid in it, you dip the little tablet in there. Fill it with water, it dissolves, and booyaka shakasha, you've got a brand new cleaning product bottle. Blue Land was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home. It's a simple idea. You buy the bottle, refill it forever, no more plastic waste. So you're probably asking yourself, okay, I'm interested. That sounds awesome to have a bunch of different cleaning products that don't create a bunch of waste, but I'm not interested unless there is a Disney brand character on the bottle. Well, good news. Blue Land has just teamed up with Disney to create a magical collection of hand soap forever bottles designed with, yep, you got it, Chubboy, Mickey the Mouse, and friends' whimsical personalities printed all over that mug. Since you love Disneyland so much, Moshe, would this make you clean more? Maybe it will. Let's fu- let's get the bottles and find out. I already got the bottles and I've already cleaned with them. And but I you like- got the Disney ones? No, I didn't get Don't the Disney ones. Don't lie to our listeners. We I did didn't not- get the Disney ones, but I'm just saying I'm the one who cleaned with these and you're doing a lot of the talking. Let's not fight. Let's just read an ad. Well, I'm just saying I really I want to I want to talk about this product talk though. Talk about that. Well, I think it's a really great idea to not have to buy more plastic bottles. You just put the little tablet in That's and right. then you never everything and also everything looks uniform. Can so I then t- you have like your your um, glass cleaner, they your bathroom like cleaner. Yeah. Can I tell you my experience with this product? Yeah. It's so easy. You throw a tablet into a bottle and Natasha Legero picks up the bottle and cleans the house with it. It's really <laughs> incredible. I can't recommend it enough. Cut the plastic waste. Without sacrificing clean. Get Blue Land. You'll love it and the planet will thank you. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash honeymoon. That's 15% off your first order of any product Blue Land orders has at blueland.com slash honeymoon. Blueland.com slash honeymoon. How about we call Alex in Chicago? Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Hi, Alex. How are you? It's Natasha, Moshe, and our friend Jimmy Carr. Hi, Natasha, Hi. and Jimmy. Uh, how's it going? Hello, I'm actually very disappointed it's me. You were hoping for <laughs> a, a big American comedy star. I'm, I'm sorry. I can feel it. Well, hey, I get to hear the, the accent, so that's always a plus. <laughs> you hear an accent? But he's, he, can you tell that he's actually from a lower class, but he's like been overeducated beyond his class, so he's kind of like, you know... Does he seem posh to you or more like a common folk? Posh for sure. Yeah. I would. Well, it's all relative. You're from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> the joke I was going like, to make, posh, Jimmy. Posh for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Posh for sure. <laughs> What's happening in Chicago, Alex? How can we help? Well, I wrote in because I have a friend who will occasionally send me pictures 
pictures of herself that I find slightly uncomfortable because I feel like they include a lot more of her body than is necessary to show me what she's trying to show me. Um, and, um, it's not like out of control. It's just like a little bit off, kind of like maybe something you'd send a significant other rather than a friend. And I never said anything about it because I didn't want to make the situation uncomfortable. But um, I don't know if like, would you say something? Would you make a joke out of it to call her out or just kind of accept that your friend just sends weird pictures? And, um, and you, can I ask, can I chime in? I mean, really, you've you've asked for their advice, not mine. No, you, Jimmy, you you chime in the most. We're on all the time. We want to hear what you have to say. Now, you, Alex, it's Alex, isn't it, in Chicago? Yes. Okay, and this friend of yours is she? Is she? Is she gay? Yeah, we both are. And actually, our friendship began because she had a crush on me, but that was a long time ago. I see. And, um, oh, yes. And I, I remember how crushes work. Sometimes you find someone sexually attractive and then you forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait. I mean, this is, this I mean, is I was absolutely uh, make out with your friend and see whether it works. You're already friends. She clearly likes you. I think but what well, if she, I what don't if Alex... Think Alex likes her back. I think that's the problem. And I, Alex, by the way, Jimmy got right to the marrow of your issue, which is that you weren't telling us the whole story, which is this was somebody that was hitting on you in the past and now is pretending to be your friend and going like, hey, what do you think of this new blouse? And it's her vagina. Yeah. Well, it's been a very complicated situation because she is um, married and she was just like realizing her sexuality for the first time. And so originally that weirded me out a little bit more because I was like, I think she is hitting on me. But that was like a year ago. And I would hope that at this point it has moved on from that. She's like, at this point, knows she's gay. She's separated. She's dating another woman. So I don't know what's going on with me. I think I think you might be. So when she first met you, you awoke something in her. She was married to a man. Yes. And then you're the thing, Alex, that she went, do you know what? That's the flavor I need in my life. She's beautiful. I want to be with her. Not just her. I want to be with women but also with her. You're her first. You're the one that, you know, you're the one that gave her the sort of the, the strength or whatever, or gave her the, the impetus to go, I've got, to, I've got to, you know, get rid of this marriage. I've got to separate. I've got to be with someone else. I think you're a hugely important part of her life. And I think maybe uh, you should, uh, you know, hit that. Why do you keep trying to get them to hook up? She doesn't want her, Jimmy. Well, let's ask Alex. Why, why don't you want her? Why, is she, do you find her attractive? Well, no. I mean, she's, you know, she's a fine person. But like I told her from the very beginning, because you're totally right about all that. I was the one that sparked that initially. But I told her way back then, like, even if you weren't married, this would not happen. Um, she's not your type. Yeah. I have a, I have an easy. So, I, I, by the way, I think it's so funny. That it's just straight, straight guy city over here. It's just like, well, I think it's hot. I think you guys should hook up. I mean, that's that'd be my advice. Ten out of ten times, I just think no. But I, here's my question. Tell me when you want me to chime in. Oh yeah, oh, no, sure. Go ahead. But I have a question, Alex. Do you have a partner? No. Not do you currently. even a little bit? Because here's your way out: is you start dating someone and you say, "Oh my god." You know me. I love these unbelievably inappropriate sexual pictures that you're constantly uh, uh, sending me. But my my the person I'm dating saw it and she got all weird about it. Maybe you maybe you know next time 
That's good Tilt because, the camera up. because then it's like you don't want to be in a position where you feel scared to tell a friend that you have a girlfriend, you know, because if she freaks out by that, then she's not or if she's freaked out by that, then maybe you guys aren't friends. You or, know, she seems like she might be kind of holding out. Or you could write back and say, OMG, gross every time she sends you a pic. <laughs> maybe that could help. It does really work. That thing of like telling someone that they've got a partner now and he. He doesn't like the photos mm-hmm. because I mean the, I don't send Natasha any dick pics anymore. <laughs> but I love those photos. I love those photos. Did she tell you I didn't like them? I've been encouraging her to get you to send them, Jimmy. They're for me, not for her. I love dick pics. Just any dick. Well, you know, Jimmy said he, but that would be a very funny twist to the story if you were like, "Hey, here's the thing. I, you know, I love the pictures, but this new guy I'm seeing doesn't want me getting pictures from you." It would just throw her into a whole tailspin, and she wouldn't know what to do anymore. What do you think, Jimmy? What's what's your real advice? How do you get someone that you have a platonic friendship with that keeps sending you mildly suggestive pictures because you're her gay, you know, north star, and she wants to get to you, but she never will how do you desexualize well i I don't know whether of course we're reading into this that she wants to be with alex but actually it might just be the gay north star that is alex it might just be i'd like to impress you and i'd like you i want to be seen Mm -hmm. as an attractive woman and maybe it's just a little first trap Mm -hmm. and she just wants a little bit of attention and that doesn't seem to be hurting anyone but how how inappropriate are the pictures? Can you show us? Or... Yeah, yeah. Can you show us some? Yeah, I sent some. Um, I think the most recent example might actually be the worst one. It's where um, she's sitting in front of the television. Can we see it? <laughs> Hold, Hold on. on. We're going to put it up. Because I gonna... just want to see like if it's like way, way over the top, like you need to not respond or, you know. Okay, we actually have the photo and we're going to hopefully be putting it in the Zoom. This is great, by the way. All you got to do really is... Tell her to listen to the Endless Honeymoon podcast, and she'll not only never send you an inappropriate picture again, <laughs> she'll never talk to you again. I think <laughs> you found your way out. Okay, here we go. Oh, wow. I, sorry, I, sorry, can I just go back to my original point? I would hit that. <laughs> wait, this is funny. It's just legs, Jimmy. But wait, why? What, what's the context here? Why is she showing you what she's watching, and then the legs are just like, whoops, how did they get there? Yeah, this one was pretty unprompted. We were um, making plans for um, something that we were going to do the next day. And I was telling her that I was currently at a Friendsgiving. And she was like, oh, we're having very opposite nights. And that sent me this. That is so funny. Yes, because because sometimes you need to share that with a friend. There's television. <laughs> I also have legs. What if I sent you that, Jimmy? It's like, hey, how are you, Jimmy? By the way, this is what I've been up to. You'd be very uncomfortable. Just relaxing. You'll, you'll never guess what's at the end of these legs. <laughs> it seems like I wish we had a gay person because on the podcast. Why? What? This isn't about being gay. This is about being appropriate. Well, no, but because I feel like maybe her about, friend. Well, wait, wait a second. We could just ask your husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just feel like your friend might be blurring the lines a little bit. You know, like we're all talking about you're the person who made her, you know, think she's attracted to women. So maybe she's having a hard time, like differentiating you know, in terms of like, she's attracted to all women right now or women in general, or, you know, how do we, so it's like, what you're asking is like, how do you keep friends, friends and be really, you know, have really good boundaries with that. And I guess I don't really know. Well, I mean, the way to to have good boundaries is to have clear communication, but it's a very uncomfortable conversation to say, 
hey, why are you sending me these pictures of your legs when really you were just, all I was doing was... Because that's embarrassing to her because she could, it's kind of like a whoops. Oh, I didn't even... She could very easily say, what? I wasn't even thinking that. I, I'm, I, we, all, we, we all know it's that weird dance that we do socially, isn't it? Where you kind of go, well, you knew you were flirting, but now you're going to deny that you were... It's, right. It's a really hard one. It's like that friendship is like, you don't want to... And you don't want to shame her for doing that because it feels like you know, she, she's probably a grown woman and she's been married. Well, she was watching cartoons. She's only been a lesbian for a year, so it's, it's new. Right. She doesn't know how to do it. I'm not sure how much of this I chalk up to being gay. I think all of this is about being appropriate and knowing how to act. Like, I don't... Oh, 100%. This is nothing on gay. This, is, this could be straight. It doesn't make, make any odds, does it? I don't think so. I think this is just somebody that's like a... It's just like a teenager. Maybe the... the I think here's... The, the, the part is that she's new to this burgeoning version of her sexuality, so she doesn't know how to express it in a way that you would or an adult would. Or... She wants a woman to see it because she's now attracted to women. So I think my, my solution is the best solution. You make up a phantom person that you're seeing and go, and go oh, my God, that picture was so inappropriate. This girl I'm seeing just got so jealous. Like PG... I think PG. definitely, yeah, lies. Lies the way forward. That's what, <laughs> lies sometimes what, help. Sometimes, I mean, you could, listen, you could say directly, please stop sending me pictures of your of your body. It's just too much for me. We're just friends. You know what? Here's, here's the thing, Alex. All three of us make our living as comedians, right? The obvious answer here is comedy. The obvious thing to go back with is like some funny response to that photo that like it's a bit something funny that you go back with that kind of cuts the tension and goes, it's, it's fine, but that was a bit much. Except Can the, we write her one? Oh yeah, we could try to write her one yeah. right now. I mean, Jimmy's love language is one-liner, so he might be the guy <laughs> for you. But the problem is you run the risk of it sounding like flirtation mm-hmm. when you make a little joke about it. Repartee, it's almost better to just not respond. Oh, she's into it. So Jimmy, what's the what's the text back? What's the text back? Uh, the uh, So it's she sent you a picture of her legs watching television, the, I, I don't, I mean. Big mouth on one end, little I, mouth on the other. <laughs> was she watching Big Mouth? She was. Yeah, I suppose, it's that weird thing though, isn't it? Because yeah, Natasha's right, it's going to sound like flirtation if we go, that, that photo's a little bit, yeah. a little bit much. The, um, <laughs> I just forwarded it to, that, to my dad, he, was, he liked it. Hey, how, um, how about, I mean, listen, if you want to be blunt, how about just say PG PG thirteen next time, please? I mean, that would be very clear, and you would get you would get your point across. Yeah, this is not, it's not not safe for work. Not right. You, you got to tell me when it's not safe for work. How about no, no, because that implies that that's like that's a flirt. That's, that's a, a flirt, Jimmy. You're flirting with yeah. with the this whole thing. Hold it's, on. How about this? Not safe for work, and I work from home. <laughs> no, here's what I would do. Just personally, if I was getting this from a male friend, ignore, ignore, ignore. Oh, I can't go. I can't actually meet you. I have a date. No other info. Ignore, ignore. You know what I mean? Like if you really do want to like not give them, you want to be friends. I don't know, Natasha, if you've maintained a friendship before. But <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any friends, do you, Natasha? Jimmy, this is what you we... have never had a friend, so this I, is... just find, I, have I just a... find, Alex, the best thing to do is ignore them, and when you do see her, try and spit in her face. No, no, Jimmy, this is... a sexual advance. This is the advice from Natasha and I who do an advice podcast. I say make up a lover and say she's very jealous and uncomfortable. <laughs> Natasha says do a full press ignoring of a friend. Okay, I've got I, I've got one, Aaron. You ready for this? Ignore when she's doing sex stuff. I, I got one. 
Alex, sorry, I got one. Alex, you ready for this? I'm ready. Crop the photo to just have the big mouth. Send it back to her and go, look, an appropriate picture. That's that's terrible. I, I also think, Alex, you need to take the compliment here. Uh, take the compliment. You don't really need to do anything on this, really. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like she's going to break into your house. That's what I say to women when I send them dick pics and they don't like it. I say, take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of that? What do you think about the cropped the cropped photo and then you write and then you send it back to her and go, "Look, this is a text I would send to a platonic friend." Yeah. I have one more important question just really quickly. I know we have to go. Alex, have you does she know that there's no chance? Have you ever had any talk about that or anything like that? Yeah, like a, a very long time ago when she first admitted that she had a crush on me. And you told what did you say? I said This will um, never happen. Yeah, I said even if you weren't married, it would not happen. So maybe yeah, if but you- I mean, I've heard that from every woman I've ever been with. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. Those words mean nothing to me because you go, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm a, I'm like a, I'm, I'm like a. No one sees me and goes that that I need that in my life. But occasionally, occasionally meet someone you you grow on people but- like a mole. I got it. Okay, but let me just finish what I was going to say. I think what you should do, too, if you ever sense her flirting in person, you have to, at the moment, if she's drunk or whatever, and say, listen, I, I really like being friends with you. I think you have to make that really clear in the moment if you feel it, if you feel her coming on to you energetically. Well, that's what I'm saying. Do the crop and send it back with the text, look, I did the we're just friends crop. That's right, because that's, that's funny. I did the funny and I did the, okay, so the two versions side by side. If you draw a little thing around it, this is the appropriate area. This is the inappropriate. <laughs> exactly. It's really funny. And it's like, it's not. And actually, if she takes that the wrong way, then there's nothing you can do. And it's not embarrassing for her because you turned it into a light joke. You diffused it. And it'll, it, if she sends you an inappropriate picture after that, you are dealing with somebody that is uh, unstable and you need to run away. All right, all right. I think I got it. Make a joke, crop the photo, diffuse. Yeah, and if and she... don't lead her on. And maybe, maybe you know, if you don't want people to fall in love with you, maybe don't wear the pink hat. It's too adorable. It's true. <laughs> it's true. In some ways. You know, I mean, really, how much of it was you? With your little button nose. Looking gorgeous. All right. All right, do you think you can do it? All right, I think I can. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. I mean... That is a great problem to have. I know. I'm too attractive. I had a feeling by the end she kind of hated us. That was the vibe I was getting. Well, no. I think she's probably a big fan of you two and went, who's this guy? Why is Mr. Bean giving me advice? <laughs> All right. Uh, wait, Mr. Bean, uh, do you have time for one more? Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is lovely. Do we have one more? Oh, oh. I think we, well, how let's much do time? A, let's do two secrets. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. Do you want to know one of the things that I struggle with? Uh, yeah, I think I know them all. No, there's one that you don't know. Sometimes I'm out there surfing, ripping it up, and the ladies in the lineup, they're like, wow, that guy's sexy and available. And that's because I leave my wedding ring in the car. And they think I'm single and ready to wet ocean mingle. Well, if you've ever been in that situation, or if you are a blue-collar worker who doesn't want to get your freaking ring finger ripped off by a thresher, we've got a gift for you. 
Enzo rings. They're stylish silicone rings with a soft, flexible fit. And they're so much more comfortable and safer than wearing your wedding ring at the beach. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say, um, with the amount of waves you catch, you're probably okay. Ouch. (laughs) Hard ouch. (laughs) Cuts me to my core. But if you don't want your ring finger to be cut to its core, grab an Enzo ring. They actually infuse real precious metals into the silicone, which you can't find in any other silicone ring brand. Trust us, Enzo rings are a gift that you will love. Check out Enzo's Element Rings and other bestsellers at the special URL, enzoensorings.com slash honeymoon. And for a limited time, get 10% off your first purchase of any collection when you use promo code HONEYMOON. Don't wait. Lock in your holiday orders now and even get one for yourself. For 10% off, that's promo code HONEYMOON at ENSORings.com slash honeymoon. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. Don't you feel like we take all these amazing pictures, but then they just get saved onto our phone and we never even look at them again? Yeah, and then when your phone tries to, like, make you a video, it'll be, like, three cool pictures that you love and then, like, a picture of a battery or something. <laughs> well, if you want to look Set at Set to a beautiful song. If you would like to look at the beautiful pictures that you've taken and not the battery photos, we would like to recommend to you this holiday season... Aura Frames. It's a digital picture frame that scrolls through some of your favorite memories. And as we all know, the connection to the people we love most, that's what really matters. So look at them and connect with them. Beautifully designed, easy to set up, and one of Oprah's favorite things, 2021, three years running. An Aura Frame is the perfect holiday gift. And I love this idea. You can even personalize it by preloading photos for a surprise that will have people crying tears of joy. My, also, I've got to get one of these for my mom. Honestly, you could preload it with really, really awful photos that are specifically designed to make them cry tears of anguish. It depends on what angle you want to take with your loved ones this holiday season. Take advantage of Aura's best deals of the year with Black Friday slash Cyber Monday pricing now through November 30th. Visit Aura Frames now to get gifting. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Listeners can use promo code HONEYMOON to take $30 off Aura's best selling digital picture frames. I feel like I know like 30 people I should get this for. Well, I'm one of them. I would love for you to put 30 photos of just you. Uh, no, like batteries and screws no, and all these you. like missing parts that we need to find at the hardware store nope. set to like a beautiful song. I want a picture of you because I like to gaze in your eyes all day long while I work. Okay, Once- well, don't forget last year, Aura Frames completely sold out. So don't wait. Visit AuraFrames.com and get gifting now. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Promo code HONEYMOON. Okay, Jimmy, remember we were talking about um, earlier uh, that secrets, have keeping the, you, things you keep secret are the things that you're ashamed of and that once you can laugh at them, you'll never be ashamed again? That was sort of the foundation principle of our, this other segment of our podcast called The Secrets Hotline where people call and they leave on our voicemail their deep, dark secrets. We thought we could maybe play a couple for you and then we could uh, just riff on them. As, as a percentage, how many of these are I'm having an affair with Natasha? <laughs> In a very uh, Irish... English seems like they came from a working class background in Ireland, but then they were educated in kind of a. My, uh, 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 <laughs> my lovers are all intelligent. That's what, I would, that's what I would call the hotline with every week. <laughs> hey, hey, it's me again, Jimmy. Stop calling the hotline. <laughs> all right, we're okay, gonna let's hear one. Hi, so I have a secret. 
Um, I'm a bit older now, so I realize my mistake, um, maybe. But when I was younger, I stole a TV from one of my friend's grandparents. Long story, I don't have enough time to explain why this happened. Um, still hold it. No one ever know. I've never told anybody about it. Um, years later, they paid off my private student loans, which was pretty major. Still yet to confess. Um, but they're both diehard Trump supporters and I always say racist and homophobic things um, when I visit them. So I don't really feel that bad. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> There's a lot of twists and turns there. Did you catch all yeah, that, Jimmy? I mean, this is fantastic. You did a good thing. You stole a TV that was tuned to Fox News <laughs> and, you put, and you put on CNN. This is fantastic. You did the right thing. You're doing God's work. And took some of the funds that were going to be they were going to go to like Koch Brothers anti uh, environmental activism uh, organizations and went to pay off her student loans. I mean, yeah, but she stole the TV before she knew they were Trump supporters. So I don't really buy that. Right, her logic's a little off. I don't think I think she knew. I think there was a latent like before <laughs> Trump thing. Before Trump came along, ten years ago, there were Trump supporters. They just weren't. They just didn't have anything to hang it on yet. Right. They didn't know. They did, It was like Weimar Germany, if you will. Yeah, they were out there. They were ready to pounce. I, I, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That thing of like the guilt that she feels is punishment enough. That's the only punishment is the you feel bad about it and they did a good thing which made it even worse. She's not going to ever steal anything else again. Did you see Gandhi? I'm sure you have, right? The, the movie? Yeah. And yeah. There's I mean, a- I haven't seen him around. there's a great scene very powerful scene at the end of gandhi when the fighting is broken they pronounce it gandhi gandhi oh i'm so sorry when the fighting is broken out between the muslims and the hindus in india and a a hindu guy comes to gandhi gandhi and says i killed a, a a muslim kid what do i do and he said and gandhi says you adopt a Muslim orphan and raise him as a Muslim, and then your debt will be repaid. So what this woman needs to do, according to the wisdom of Gandhi, is find a very poor, conservative, um, old couple and buy them a, a tube television and put it on Fox News. And when they watch it... For that, fo- feels like, that feels like that, this is a $30 problem. You <laughs> this, is not, this is so easy. I mean, nothing. It's, yeah, it's an issue. But no one ever says this as well, but... People always say, oh, kids watch too much TV. They're always looking at screens. No, old people. They're the ones watching too much TV. They're crazy for that shit. And, and, and social... We've got to get them out. We've got to get them out in the parks. And, get them out running about. And social media. People are always worried about kids' brains being affected by social media. It's old people's brains that are being affected by social media. Yes. Yes, young people's minds are malleable, but old people's minds are mushy. Yeah, I could not agree more. Yeah, like, we used to have elders. Now they're all just idiots. <laughs> okay, well, let's play another secret. Hey, maybe we're the elders. We're certainly the elders to somebody. Once you write a book on your experiences doing comedy, you know that you're the old guy in well, the comedy once you, club. Once you do a podcast and only uh, 20-year-old women <laughs> call <laughs> <Colin>. in, <laughs> you start to realize, oh, people need help. Okay, who else we got? What other confessions? Hi, Natasha and Moshe. I have a secret, which is that I steal from grocery stores, usually at the self-checkout when I enter a produce item as something a little bit cheaper, or sometimes if I have two of something light, I'll scan one of them and then put both in the bag if nobody's looking. 
And the bigger secret kind of around this is that the reason I keep doing it is that one time my ex and I stole from a grocery store together when we needed some expensive baking ingredients for a recipe. So we put them in our pockets. And I still really miss her, so stealing kind of makes me remember that and uh, feel close to her. Okay, thanks, bye. So I had no idea this was a um, predominantly lesbian. <laughs> I guess we're finding out as you're finding out, Jimmy. So she she was she steals things because the baking products remind her of her ex. When her, she and her ex used to steal. So there's a few things that happening here. The first one is is are you guys okay with stealing if you don't have a lot of money? Yeah. Well, I did. I reject. I'm. I rejected her premise that she needed when she said needed i thought yes okay it's jean valjean they need they need a loaf of bread and then she's like we no, need let some, them eat cake yes yeah, so, that's right we needed some ingredients for a baking project we were doing that's not need in in the maslow's hierarchy of need i don't believe it says butterscotch chips at any point in in the triangle right so it was yeah, well, it's, it's a well they're self-actualization as you as you're aware um I don't know. It's it's an odd one, that isn't it? Because it's the little thrill of it and the thing that you did together that felt special, and you miss your lover. I I would. I mean, basically, the Amazon sort of store is going to stop you anyway from doing this. You know, you, have you been to one of these new Amazon stores where you walk in and they can? There's one around the corner for me. No, you walk in. We don't have those. Got what you want. Oh, so so here we have an Amazon store. You walk into the physical store. You pick up anything you want. You walk out. And it just bills you. It recognizes your face. It knows who you what? are. It bills you. Don't, there's no checkout. There's oh, no that store is called Natasha's Sweet Spot. Wait, hold on. Is it is it like as big as a Home Depot? Like, is it hard to find your stuff? No, it's like a it's like a it's a fairly small little. Uh, it's like a convenience mini store. Bar. I like convenience store, but it's just cool. And I think that's the way everything's going to go. Where they'll have cameras everywhere, and I think enjoy your shoplifting while you can. I think it, really the clock is ticking. No, to be honest, it's a great place to do <laughs> shoplifting. <laughs> Because it's consequence-free shoplifting. You can walk in, have your face scanned, and then you can act as shady as you want. While in there, you can do the ritual that reminds you of your ex, but there's no consequences. You'll never end up in jail. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a little trip down memory lane. I'm going to get like a a big jacket with lots of pockets on the inside. I'm going to go to the Amazon store, and I'm going to faux shoplift. I'm going to take a bunch of stuff that I'm clearly paying for, but they, they don't know that. I can fool myself into thinking this is... This is fun. I think that's a great idea. Also, I think that stealing, hmm, that's a hard one. Well, you know what she needs in her life, right? She's got the wrong thing. She's going about, like, I've got a huge bit in the book about this, about how people sometimes fulfill their, knowing what you want is the key thing in life, right? That's the most important question. What do you want? So what she wants is excitement. And the way that she's choosing to fulfill that is a little bit of petty shoplifting. What she needs to do is go bungee jumping or whitewater rafting or something genuinely exciting, and she won't need that. If she needs the fix of that, what she needs is a new lover or to fall in love or the excitement somewhere else. But I think excitement, I think, is the little thrill that she's seeking that she had with her previous lover, and she's trying to recapture that high through shoplifting and nothing good will come of that. Find something else that's exciting. I just realized when you were talking what I want from life and what I want from life is to never go to jail. 
So <laughs> I feel like that is a pretty big risk. Yeah. When you shoplift, like it, even just being down at a station, that sounds like a nightmare. Nothing would be more. In COVID. Even- no, I'm now imagining you in jail. <laughs> like, like if they do another series of Orange is the New Black, I think, I think you would be a goddamn boss in prison. I think you, you would be, do well. I mean, nothing, I think you'd do fantastically. Okay, well, nothing, thank you, guys. Sure, sure, you would pretend you didn't want to be turned. You'd put up a <laughs> but bit of become... because, And I'm only really saying that because I know this podcast is exclusively listened to by lesbians. I was going to so... say, she could become not only the host, but a listener as well. Um, okay, Jimmy, do you have enough time for us to do one more call? I do. I'm, re- I'm loving the show. Oh, man. that's great. Hey, Tosh. Yamosh. Don't you think we're lucky that they invented the internet? No. Well, wait. What if you have some emotional thing that you need to work through or a mental health crisis that you need to work through and maybe even caused by the internet and you need a therapist and you don't want to go into a therapist's office now? Don't you feel like we're lucky to live in the time of the internet? Honestly, not having to go into a therapist's office might be one of the best things about the internet. That and um, mobile massage. That's right. We're not here to talk to you about mobile massage. We're here to talk to you about Talkspace. Talkspace online therapy can help you manage stress, process significant life changes, and more so you can feel less overwhelmed and more in control. It's the end of the year, which means that another holiday season is upon us. And for a lot of us, that means travel and family and and stress. Having to see your mom is not always a jolly situation. Or maybe your mom won't come to see you because you guys need therapy. That's okay, because you can ease those burdens of the holidays with Talkspace Online Therapy. Talkspace is ready to help you start feeling better with a single message. You can set goals with your therapists. You can text your therapist. You can develop techniques to cope in difficult times. Also, Talkspace offers individual therapy, couples therapy, <clears throat> Moshe, and medication prescriptions. <clears throat> Natasha, that one would be good for you. Talkspace <laughs> is the number one online therapy platform. There are thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. And they work around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist. You know what I was thinking too, Moshe? You have access now to any therapist in the world. You can look through their coffers. It doesn't have to just be the person. Like if you live in some you know, rinky dink town. Let's just say it. Lame ass city with badass therapists. You you can actually find someone. You can beam who's in at your level in Tallahassee, Florida, where they've got the best therapists in the nation. Don't <laughs> ask me why. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code Honeymoon. That is $100 off when you use code Honeymoon at Talkspace.com. If you want a little support to help you through the end of the year or want to start building toward a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. We're going to call Hunter in Maryland. I love the idea that I would be good in jail, though. I never thought of that. Well, I love or the that idea. that I would thrive. I love the idea of going to jail for, for chocolate chips. I mean, there would be nothing more embarrassing, <laughs> no more embarrassing origin story in a, in a city jail than what are you in for? I think, I think they would assume that it was a street slang they didn't know. <laughs> what are you in for? I took some chocolate chips. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Don't fuck with wow. that person. No, 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 no. That's a, that's a dangerous prisoner. Okay, here we go. Okay, we're going to call Hunter in Maryland. Okay, we have Hunter on the line, a big Bruno Mars fan. 
Huge. Hi, Hunter. Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing? Hey, sorry to interrupt you from your work. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good it's uh, Moshe Kasher, Natasha Legero, and our friend Jimmy Carr. What's up, guys? What's up? I would love to see you. I, li I like the way that Bruno Mars posters are a great idea because they're all life-size. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's a teeny little guy. Is that the that's what's going on there? Exactly, yeah. You know, he just keeps me going. That's cool. So are you calling in from your little brother's room or? Well, no, I was just, well, I was just calling in. Like this is one of the rooms in the house that has a desk. So I, I was just trying to find this one, but, um, you know, but yeah, no, I just wanted to call in and say, um, I actually do have some, uh, a question for you guys. I'd like to get some advice from you guys. Yeah, go for it. Kick it. So really, if we could cut to the chase, please. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we would yeah. sorry to disrespect your process. Go for it. Hunter. <laughs> no, you guys are good. You guys are good. Um, I, I was saying uh, my secret uh, that I was going to ask you guys is that um, I have a wedgie fetish and I'm not sure how I feel about it being uh, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm not sure how I feel about it because for whatever reason I get aroused by it. I don't not really sure why I just do. And then as I guess I was just asking any advice on what to do and how to deal with that in relationships. I, Hunter, I'm made of questions right now. <laughs> um, I'm currently 95% question. So the wedgie fetish, is it giving a wedgie to someone else or is it you having the wedgie? A great question. And it's the one that's going to finally get you that Pulitzer. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I, it, I think it's the, someone else doing it. Like no, but, but Hunter, he's, so I like, think he's asking, like, is the wedgie up your butt or is it looking at it being up someone else's butt? Uh, I, it's looking, I guess. I don't know why. It's just been one of those things that I've, I, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hunter, like, everyone's got a thing that, do, were you given a wedgie by some, is there some kind of, uh, you know, if, the, if you're Batman, Hunter, and to me, you're very much Batman, there must be a moment where your parents <laughs> killed the punch. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I was just like when I was younger and I was just watching a lot of cartoons with it and I just so when you would what it is now, but when you would see when you were young and you would see a cartoon character get a wedgie, you would get aroused. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's how it started. Uh huh. Got it. Interesting. 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 I think I, I think this sounds this doesn't sound like it's going to be a huge problem. Have you tried it yet on a partner? I mean, like once or twice that's the thing though i don't know like if and they've been like yeah i guess i'm okay with it but i'm like uh, okay like how do i get through that you know what i mean well, again, again hunter I'm, I'm a comedian of some note from the uk <laughs> um i would say you need a bit of humor in this it's kind okay. of a fun thing to be into wedgies right so we're taking yeah. you seriously we see you man and and we think it's funny it's a funny it's thing from cartoons like that's how you know yeah, about yeah. it Exactly, yeah. So you to, when you tell a partner about it, you need to go, I'm into this silly thing, and you make it silly and fun, and then I think you're good. Like, who's not? It's great. And I think dropping a bomb, and even the words wedgie fetish doesn't sound, you know, like, I wonder if, is, are you guys tell me, is it inappropriate now? Like, can you do it in the moment a little bit, in the in the heat of sex? Wait, or is do this what? Some, do the wedgie or yeah, talk or about it? Yeah, or do you have it? to talk about it before? Yes, you have to talk about it. You can't just yoink someone's underwear and be like, are you into that? Yeah, I guess you're right. You got to talk about it. I think you could talk around it. You could go, I kind of like the way your junk looks when it's tight. Or you could basically reverse engineer a wedgie and say it in a different sort of way. But Hunter, just tell them you're into wedgies. But how? Uh, for whatever reason. Are you, are you straight or gay? I presume gay if you're listening to this podcast. 
I am straight. Okay, so it's women that you want to do it with. I have a question. Um, how aggressive does the wedgie need to be for you to get turned on? Does it have to be like a bully move, or is it can it be like a a hot tug? No, not not really. Just kind of a not not really that. Just kind of just normal. Like it was just just in general. I think so. Yeah, it doesn't really have to be aggressive Got or it. anything. Hunter, are you sitting down, Hunter? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say camel toe. I'm just going to put it out there. Is that what is that what you what are you looking for in the wedgie? What's the end result? What what are you <laughs> if it's you're wedging a lady? What are you looking at here? What's the area? Is it the pants? Is it the mm-hmm. junk? What are we? Um, I'd probably I'd say maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> I'm um, I don't I think it probably started that way. Um, you're and I think a, you're like, looking for a camel toe you could park a bike in. <laughs> A big wheel. Uh, I guess. Can I suggest you don't have to have, that this doesn't have to happen the first time you have sex. Can you see if you have sexual chemistry with someone and if you like it and then maybe bring it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing too. I figured I figured I wouldn't do it like right away, obviously. I figured we need to get to that part first and then. Can I ask you a question, Hunter? Is this your bedroom? This isn't my bedroom now. No, no, no. This um, is someone else's bedroom. This is a, a younger person than you's bedroom. Yeah. Well, I mean, got it. Like, right, yeah. That's right. Now we kind of okay. Just, it's kind of like a spare room that we turned into a bedroom. So, but like, whose Bruno Mars and anime posters are those? Those aren't. Th- those aren't mine. My sister would put them. I got it. Now, Mosher has established that you may be heterosexual. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay. I think this one's easy. Actually, do you know what Fat Life is? I've heard of it, but I'm not like familiar with. Fet Life is a it's a dating platform and online forum for people with with fetishes oh, okay. up to and including one as specific as Wedgie. I've never heard of that one before, but okay. there's so many fetishes in the world. I I feel strongly that if you fi- make a Fet Life profile and say I'm into wedgies, you will find your you know woman that's into getting like junior high school bullied. Hunter's learning about that website for the first time, and so is Natasha. That's interesting. <laughs> but you and I, we're old. But j- some time. J- it's actually how we met. Yeah, Jimmy and I are old friends from Fat Life. Well, Moshe said that's how every young person meets now is online, and I'm always saying, you know, how are you going to know that you have chemistry with just some random person who's... Let me throw this out to you, Natasha. Yeah. If Hunter's into wedgies... The odds that he'll be have chemistry with the one other woman in America that has a wedgie <laughs> fetish is one hundred percent. They will have chemistry because they're both into this very. What specific if he's not thing. attracted to her? What if she's like sixty or something? If he's not attracted to her, she'll turn around, pull her uh, her chonies up, and he will immediately become attracted to her. Another is thing, it, it, I, want, I want more detail from Hunter. Hunter, is it thongs or is it like granny pants or what are we what are we talking about? Like, I don't know. I think it's just the. I think it's like the the funniness aspect to it, I think is what it is, basically, of just like seeing that, I think of what it is. And then especially like, I think going back to like what you were saying, like seeing that, like the cartoon thing, but then also like just seeing if that happened to like. Um, but you're not answering the question. Thongs? I, it's, it's both. I mean, anything. Really. Anything going up her ass. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But when you when Which you Which is actually one of my search history things. <laughs> <laughs> Anything at all. I mean, this is the thing. Hunter, if you if this is sincere and I believe that it is, 
that you have a very specific fetish and all you have to do is find somebody in the fetish community that's interested in giving you what you want and what and it's so specific that it's possible the woman that you find will be like well I'm not really that into that but I'm really willing to give you that in exchange you're going to have to amputate a toe or whatever it is that she's into and you guys will find a kind of dialectic between what turns the two of you on I just feel like the fetish community is your friend in this case I don't know whether that's the because it strikes me that Hunter likes the fun of this, right? So he's saying my fetish is it's the fun thing that I like, the little bit of role play or something. That's the fun thing. I wouldn't base a whole relationship around it, Hunter. I don't think it's that huge a thing. I think just if you're with someone and she likes you, it's a bit of role play. It's not, it's, you're not going to leave a mark. You're not going to tear her <laughs> panties or whatever. Yeah, but you are gentle. But you are going to gentle. You are going to take her lunch money, though, and she might not appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, and, and that's the thing, yeah, and, and like, I'm not going to, it's like what you said, I'm not going to base a whole relationship around it. I guess it was more of like, when do I bring it up type of thing. Well, so, I got to tell you. Yeah. have to be a little bit lighter and funnier when you bring it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, exactly. A, it's a no from me. Yeah, um, Natasha's not, she's not the one for you. If, but, no, but if, if a guy said that to me. I have a wedgie fetish. That's a no. Isn't there a way to do For it me. as, as so a euphemism I'm, that it's not? I have a wedgie fetish. It but sounds aggressive to me. Like I don't wait, know. You have to be wait, so wait, charming. You, you you married a man wearing white jeans. Are you getting on your <laughs> well, Hey, wait a minute, Jimmy. <laughs> All right, you're not in Duran Duran. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy. I'm just saying, you know, just tread lightly because and, and try to be fun with it. And yeah. you're, you're right, though. It does sound a wee bit aggressive. And you don't strike me as an aggressive guy in any way, shape or form. You strike me as quite a fun gentleman. So, you know, that's why I'm suggesting fat life, because you'll find somebody who there'll be nothing shocking. And then you can find if you have chemistry with that person. I'm not saying make you make the, this a full time dominating dom sub relationship where she pretends to be a junior high school student and you pretend to be the, the quarterback. And every time you see her in the hallway, you yoink her. I'm just saying find somebody that's a freak like you and you guys will find, maybe find happiness together. All right, perfect. Thank you, guys. All Good right, luck, Hunter. Hunter, I hope you find the dork of your dreams. You know, somebody <laughs> you can really bully around the hall, the halls of the school. He's cute. I think it's gonna work. It's out. gonna happen for you, Hunter. All right, farewell. Thank you, guys. Bye, bye. You know, better, better a guy into something. Sure. Is that, is that that's your first heterosexual calling, yeah? <laughs> Jimmy, you're obsessed. <laughs> This show is lovely, by the way. Well, you're lovely, and we miss you, and we can't wait to see you again. I'll be back soon enough. Turn up like a bad penny. Well, wait, wait, when you will you let us know when you're in LA, though? I think April is when I'm next going to be there. Yeah. We maybe we could host a dinner and. Oh yeah, maybe we can bring have you, to, you over. We could bring you to one of our more sort of exclusive and elite places to eat here oh, in I've, Los I've Angeles. Been to it now before wasn't for me. The what? What's I that? need to in and out. Oh, <laughs> in and out. I love in and out. Sorry, you broke up. Um, Jimmy, the book is called Before and Laughter. You can find it on Amazon if you want more wisdom from the mind of Jimmy Carr, one of the great joke writers, one of the great comedians, one of the funniest people and the sweetest, uh, a dear friend. And we miss you. And a father. And a father at that. The greatest role of all. The greatest. Actually, the greatest role of all to me is Wedgie Man. <laughs> Wedgie Master. Wedgie Master 3000.
This is this is the worst episode of the channels there's ever been. <laughs> An oldie but a goodie, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Jimmy. We miss you. And uh, thank we'll you. See you, you guys I gotta go and do a show. I'll see you soon. Okay, Take have care. fun. Bye. Great. Kill it. You're the cutest. Well, Natasha. That was a lovely hang with an old friend. I want to go back to London. I know, but then I just realized my friend had a party yesterday and I didn't go. While doing this podcast? No, I'm saying that? like, I'm always like, I want to be social. I want to see people. And then when it comes down to it, I'm still stuck on lockdown. You know what you got to do? I'm, I got lockdown in my heart. You know what you got to do? What? You got to break that lock. Okay. You got to shake those chains of love and get out in the world. You just got to force yourself. That's what I do with stand up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I'm down to like stay here and watch Netflix for the rest of my life. But I'm like, nope, I'm going to go do a set because I want to train my brain to get back into the world. I don't want to become institutionalized. Yeah. I mean, it's like it used to take me so much energy to just get outside. Well, speaking of energy, if uh, this may be our longest episode ever, I think that we need to get our listeners outside and you and i need to go outside as well let's go let's go for a little walk around the block natasha okay, i would like that get some air in our lungs if you would like to leave a secret on our secrets hotline go ahead and give us a call 213-222-8608 or if you don't want to call send us an email at endlesshoneymoonpod at gmail if you want to be a guest yeah we're on instagram we're on youtube and you can find us where you find your podcasts and natasha before we go i have something very important to tell you Yo, what's that I want to give you a wedgie so bad. And I love you. I love you too.